welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. Last week, we had an in-person service and I continue on 2 Peter. We are dealing with the book of 2 Peter, exposition of 2 Peter or expository preaching and teaching of 2 Peter. And I'm glad God has given us the opportunity and the privilege to continue in his word. Now, in the previous session, last teaching, I ended on verse 2. So let's go back to from verse 1 to 4. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Shall we please pray? Father, we thank you. We are grateful to you for your word. Thank you for bringing us together to hear your word. Oh Lord, what we do not know, you are the magister veritatis, the only master of the truth, the one who can teach the truth. What we do not know, teach us. What we do not have, give us. Who we are not, make us. All to the glory and the praise of the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is so loaded. Um, I'm even thinking of how to unpack everything. It's, It's too loaded. Well, let me go back again, which my custom tends to be. There is an adage my mom used to say that a lot of meat does not spoil the soup. So, um, as we go back and repeat, you'll find out somewhere in the verse 12 said, um, I know you know these things, but I will not stop to put you in remembrance. So, it's okay to keep remembering us or reminding us Uh, of these things. Now, look at verse 1 against uh, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He calls himself a servant like like a slave, a doulos, bond slave, bond servant. It's like you've been set free, you finished serving your term, and you said, now I want to willingly by choice remain a slave. That's a bond servant. So you are happy to stay like that. Is a bond servant. So Simon Peter, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. I've taken my time to explain all these things, but I want to touch on the precious. Because Peter seemed to be using the word precious very often. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about our faith being precious. And then the verse 19 talks about 
saved by the, the precious blood of Christ. Yeah. And then chapter 2, verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 talks about how precious stone. Then here, you see right in verse 1 of Second Peter chapter 1, it says that we have received light precious faith. Then when you go to verse 4, it talks about we have received great and precious promises. So precious, there's some preciousness in what we are in. We have been called into some preciousness. Hallelujah. Amen. We are precious in the sight of God. And God has given us precious promises. So Peter says that what we have, the faith we have, is a precious faith. Brothers and sisters, that means that uh, when the Bible says something is precious, it means it needs, that thing needs to be guarded, protected. That's why in Jude chapter 1 verse 3, I will have to write and charge you to contend for the faith. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to exalt you to contend endlessly for the faith, you know, which was once delivered to the saints because it's so precious. This faith is so precious that I just found it important and necessary to write to you to contend for it. Now, Peter says that we have obtained like precious faith. Excuse me, brothers and sisters. Our faith is precious than our job. Your faith is precious than your job. Sister, your faith is precious than your marriage. Can I tell you something? Say, Pastor, your faith is precious than your ministry. Your faith is a precious faith. Your faith is precious than your wife, than your family. Your faith is precious. Watch this, watch this. Your faith is more precious than your health. Yeah. Hiding under the guise of protecting my health and abandoning worship hmm. is more dangerous. Because, do you know why? No, no, I'll explain it. Do you know why? The just shall live by faith. Yeah. If you don't have faith, God will find it very difficult to do some things for you. Right. You are saved through faith. You are saved through faith. You live by faith. He said, we walk by faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith. Not in Israel. He said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Faith is what is required. So he says that, fight the good fight of faith. I fought the good fight. In fact, the Bible says, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. It's important. Lay hold. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Hallelujah. Fight the good fight. Lay hold on eternal life. <laughs> How can you be a master? How can you have life in control? Eternal life is manifesting your life without faith. Fight the good fight of faith. He said, I've kept the faith. It's again Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished and I have kept the faith. I have kept. So fight the good fight of faith. Because it's a precious faith. Sister, your faith is more precious than your marriage. I know you want to be married. But, but don't compromise your faith for marriage. That's what I'm trying to say. I know you are growing. Your, your biological time clock is ticking. But listen. There's something more precious than your biological time clock. Be more precious. More precious than your business. More precious than your career. Bro, there's something. Don't pursue career at the expense of faith. I, I think I'm preaching to somebody. Don't pursue career at the expense of faith. Sir, don't, let me say this again. Don't pursue career, ministry, musician. Don't pursue music ministry at the expense of your faith. 
roaming around everywhere, ministration after ministration, and you are not reading your Bible, you are not growing your faith, you are, you, you are slowing, you are not growing, you are slowing, say, say, it's an emergency, alarm, ping, 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 the holy alarm is sounding, you are slowing, you are not growing, don't pursue anything in life, at the expense of your faith, because faith is the most precious thing. Hallelujah. He said, we have obtained this like precious, the same faith Peter had for him to make impact for the Lord Jesus Christ. The same faith Paul had, the same faith the fathers of faith had, the same faith Timothy had, the same faith John had, the same faith Stephen had, the same faith Philip had, the same faith of the apostles. He said, you two have received like precious faith. It's the same thing. You have the same thing. It's not different from what Peter had. We have received like precious faith. Hallelujah. So, um, precious faith through the, how did you receive it? Through the righteousness. I explained intensely about this. I thoroughly through the righteousness of God. God just have to be right because he can't not do otherwise. He had to do the right thing by uh, giving you this faith once you come in Christ. And the righteousness of Jesus Christ is what entitles us to the faith we have received. This like precious faith. So he says that, watch this, this is very important. I want to uh, emphasize on something. Second, first, first, second uh, Peter chapter 1 again. He says that Simon Peter, born servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to, to them that have. He's writing to, it's not for everybody. You see, the Bible is not for all human beings. People who are not in Christ are, are not under obligation to live their lives based on the scriptures. They might try to do it at some points, apply some principles of scripture. It's work. But I, I can't be taking the Bible, quoting it to tell somebody who is not an, a believer that the Bible says you should live like that. The Bible says you should live like that. Uh, it's an unbeliever. It doesn't have the life of God. Doesn't have the nature of God. That's where we're going, brothers and sisters. They can't, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. He can't escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. It's in verse 4. They can't escape it. The corruption, he says, that whereby we are given great and precious, precious promises, precious again. These promises are precious. That by then we might, you might, you, you might be particular of the future. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, people who are not born again cannot escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, through selfish desires, through desires. They are at the mercy of their desires. Listen, if you are not in Christ, you might be in church, but you are not in Christ. You might be attending church, but you are not in Christ. That is why you are at the mercy of your carnal desires and carnal instincts. You're, all there is to you, you are a slave to sin. If you are not in Christ, you are a slave to sin, I'm telling you. You are a slave to sin. In, I think in the book of John chapter 8, verse 34 or so, it talks about who you obey, you are a slave to. Yeah. Jesus answered, most of us, I say to you, whoever commits sin is slave to sin. Come on. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about how um, if you are not in Christ, I think verse 19 or so, verse 19, 20, it says, slaves, we are slaves. If you are not in Christ, you are slave to sin. Once you obey sin, you are slave to sin. In Romans chapter 7, as you obey sin, you are slave to sin. Okay, so if you are not in Christ, your condition is very, very, very miserable. It doesn't matter the, the house you live in, the car you drive, the job you do. Listen, you, you are a very miserable person. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Maybe someone hasn't told you. You are very miserable. <laughs> because you are heading on a you are on a collision course. Said the broad is the way that leads to destruction. They said you are on the way that leads to destruction. It's leading you to destruction. But I pray that today God will save you. You you accept the salvation that only God can offer, and for you to be saved in Jesus' name, praise God. All right. So it, it says that this is written to those who have obtained like precious. Please let's get the caveat. Let's get the premise of the letter. The letter is not written to everybody. It's that the letter is written to those who have obtained this precious faith. You know your faith is precious. You have obtained it. it okay, there's a letter for you. Ha! Have you? Are you a believer? When you are a believer, you have obtained this life precious faith. Okay, for the believers, this is how you have to live. This is something for you. Hey, Christians, alert, alert. Every Christian, if you know you are Christian, you are in Christ, then this belongs to you. If you have received the precious faith, then this belongs to you. It's a message for you. By the apostle, these are the dying words of an apostle. In the book of 1 Peter, he wrote, warning them and trying to help them, encouraging them to live the righteous life because of the pressure that is coming on the church from outside. Now he's about to die. These are his dying words. The last words of Peter, who was always talking and talking and talking and talking and talking in the, when Jesus was around. He spoke more than all the disciples when Jesus was around. When Jesus that he was always talking, 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 talking. He's been speaking a lot. But now, guess what? These are his last words. Second Peter are his last words. And he's warning the church against knowledge that would take us away from godliness or expression of God's life, the life of God. But much more, he's telling them, please hear this. You need to know this. You need to know them. And he's giving them an information that will inoculate them, that will immunize them. That was, he was giving them vaccination. He was vaccinating them against the natural cause of happening, the trend, the natural trends that will sway them away from godliness. So this mess is a job, as I mentioned last Sunday. It's the spiritual job. Dying man was going to give you a job because he knows, the old man knows that something is about to happen. The devil is at, at large, not from outside, from within the church. Church. So you see, the reason why they give us job is so that when it enters you, it can't conquer you. That's the purpose of inoculation. That's the purpose of inoculation. It enters you so that when the virus comes in, the virus will not knock you out. Because there's something that is inside you to knock out the virus or to stop the virus from having its deadened poison effect on you. And so Peter was inoculating the church. He was giving them vaccination. Good vaccination. Watch this. Watch this. The reason why vaccination is good is you will go for vaccination when you know that something precious in your life is at stake. Uh -huh. So the precious faith is as say you also need this vaccination to protect your like precious faith. To be a precious faith, you need, we need the vaccination. The diamond. When you read, there are quite some of the second letters, like Second Peter, as we have seen, and then Second Timothy, and then Second John and third John, all those things, and even Jude, were written to warn the church about this kind of apostasy. Attack the enemies coming and bringing against the church from inside. Warning them and keeping their focus on what the enemy is trying to do in the light of what God is preparing us for. Hallelujah. So he wrote to the believers and still told them that grace, 
Thank you, Lord. He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is very interesting. So you can increase. Grace can increase. Booster. <laughs> we need booster grace. <laughs> mm. It's a grace and peace. The regular Hebrew and Greek greeting. The Hebrew greeting is shalom, peace. The Greek greeting is charis, grace. So charis and shalom. Charis and shalom. Be multiplied to you. That's important. You, you, sir, I think we need boost in, our, in, <laughs> in your grace level. Wow. Yeah, your grace level is getting low. And every time we need a booster, we need to boost it, boost it. It's constant. And not just boost it, it must keep increasing. It must keep, as you are, as you are, watch this, as you are growing in life, in bios, your natural life, you can't afford not to be growing in grace. No. No. Because you, you, you used not to be married. Now you are married. So you need extra grace <laughs> to take care of your, your wife or your husband. You used not to have a child. Now you have a child. You can't live when you have a father and a married man or a married woman and children. You can't live like when you were single, you didn't have any marital responsibility and you didn't have any uh, parental responsibility. It's not the same. It's not the same. You can't live like when you were in university and all you had was courses and, um, and, and dissertations to submit. And assignment. No, you can't live like that. But now, because now you are a company director, you are in a position, you are working, you have family, you have a, a, a house rent to pay, you have things to sort. Of, you, there, there are so many things, and you 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 have some savings to. I mean, there's a lot. So you see, as we grow in life, please don't grow without growing in grace too. Yeah. As you grow in life, you must grow in grace. Hallelujah! Yeah. I see you growing in grace. Yeah. As you grow in life, grow in grace, and not only in grace and in peace. That means that these responsibilities that are coming, you better grow in peace too. Because you need some peace of mind to be effective in life. You need some peace of mind. There are people who were very happy when they were in school, then they were in uni, and uh, they, they were in college. They were very happy. Things were going well until they now finished and started working, and work is so stressful, and things are now they are not happy. The pressure in life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As you grow in life, better grow in peace too. But you can't grow in peace at the expense of growth in grace. So you need to grow in grace and grow in peace. It says that, in fact, in Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Grow in grace. And that's a very powerful one. But it says it clearly. It says, Grow in grace. Grow in grace. But grow in grace. Grow in grace. I see somebody growing in grace. So, as you grow in life, you must grow in grace and must grow in... So it says, grace be multiplied. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about... They, were, they went out preaching and great grace, between 32 and verse 34. Acts 4, 32 to 34. Great grace was upon them. They had great grace, great grace, and with great power, Paul gave them and great grace was upon them all, because God is a God of multifarious grace. Wow. Said the God of all grace, we quoted it. I remember in First Peter chapter five, verse I think ten or so. In the God of all grace, all grace, all grace, He is loaded in grace. He is a God of grace. 
and all grace, of course. So he can increase the supply. Uh -uh. The supply of grace will be increased in your life. And when you, are, when you are traveling in life and you have grace, it makes the journey great. It is grace that makes the journey great. Oh, thank you, Lord. He said, my grace is sufficient. Oh, my grace is sufficient anyway. So multiplying grace. So grace be multiplied to you. But listen, listen, let's get back to the text. He said, Grace and peace be multiplied to you, watch this, accord uh, uh, to you in the knowledge. All right. Now, it says that grace and peace be multiplied to you, how? In the knowledge. When you look at the King James, King James says, through the knowledge. If the Bible is yours, for those of you who use Bibles, you can circle the word. I want us to do some exercise now. Circle the word through. Other translations may use in. So, circle the word through. I want us to do an exercise so you can see something in a minute. So, in or through, circle it. And then we go, we go to verse 3. It says, according as. Circle the word according. If your version is a different version, the, I think the New King James still uses the word according. Okay, and then the, uh, 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 okay, so as. Right, uh, the New King James uses the word as. The NIV uses, for those of you who are NIV users, is as a, um, his divine power has given unto us. All right, so he just goes straight into it. But it's, it's important to understand uh, as. Okay, so I, through, so first of all, through, and then according. And then verse 3 says that, um, you see, the King James says that according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you know what? Look at the next one, through. You can circle that one to through. The, in verse 3, there's through there. How does New King James put it? Through. Okay, through. Same, through. It's important you notice these words. Now let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 says, in the verse 4 it says, whereby you can circle Whereby, these are important words. They are important words, introductory words. Whereby, uh, whereby has given unto us exceeding and great precious um, promises. That, the next one to circle is that, that. And then the final word to circle in that verse is having. <laughs> Something leads to something which leads to something that will lead to something. That's what I want you to notice. One thing leads to, and you see the final, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, permit me to explain something briefly and then we can continue on, on the text. Why should God save you? Why, why, why should God save us? Uh, because... We are so special. Please, no. No, 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 no. He's not saving us because we are so special. We are actually sinners. Whilst we were yet sinners, Romans chapter 5, verse whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, so don't let us start from our merit because we didn't have any merit for salvation. Right. But yeah, God is merciful. That's why he's saving you. Yes, of course. Because of his great mercies, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Because of his great mercies, he saved us. No, now watch this. So if God is saving us because of his great mercies, 
He's saving us because of his grace. But why is he saving us? But why is his grace mercy making us? What does he, okay, what's in it for God? We all, many Christians in our modern day are only thinking, oh, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Brothers and sisters, I want to talk about what's in it for God. Why should God save us? In the first place, he was minding his own business. He was fine. And then he decided to create the heavens and the earth. For what? The secret is there in the, the reason why he created man. Because man was the final thing he created. He created several things because he created for man. I think in Zechariah, the book of Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. Thus says the Lord who stretched out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and formed the spirit in man within. And the final thing he did was the spirit in man. So why did he make the heavens? So that he can make the earth. Why did he make the earth? So that he can make man. So, and then the spirit of man. Your spirit is the most central aspect of creation. The most crucial and important aspect of creation. Your spirit was released by God. It really came from God. God released his spirit into us. So he, he, he breathed into man. Now watch this. So man is a very important aspect of God's creation. But the question is that, but why did God create man? It's hidden in Genesis that when, before he created man, he had a conference call. <laughs> Maybe a Zoom call. No, God doesn't need Zoom. So God had a conference. And a conference within himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He had a conference. Before he created, when he created the heavens, he said, then the Lord said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord, and then the Lord said, let there be and there was. He was just speaking, verse 6, let there be and there was, verse 9, let there be and there was, verse 11, let there be and there was, verse 14 and 16 and 20, 14 and 20, let there be and God said, let there be, verse 20, God said, you know, he was just speaking, verse 24, God said, then verse 26, God, God just didn't say, let, let there be, he said, let us make. All the while, all the long, he's been saying, let there be, let there be, let there be. Then he says, let us make. Make what? Make what? And he should have said, let me make. But he said, let us. He needed a conference meeting for that. So there, the Trinity is right there. The Trinity. God formed us. It's the Trinity comes to play when, you, when the purpose of God for humanity is is to be carried out. So God said, let us make man in our image. That's the first point. Why in your image? In your, oh, and in your likeness? Uh, so, and where are you going to put man? Not in heaven. He doesn't need man in heaven, in that sense. He created the earth so that he can have a replica of himself on earth. So he created man in his likeness so that he can fit into man seamlessly without it creating problems. Because God, man has been designed in God in a shape to contain God. I'm talking about his spirit. In his likeness, let's make man in our own likeness and our image. So it looks so much like what? That is why Christ couldn't have come like a monkey. <laughs> Christ had to come like man because man has already been, it's a cast there to, uh, to contain, uh oh, to contain God. We were created to assimilate, to be able to contain God, to be able to host God, to be able to be inhabited by God. Nothing on earth can inhabit God but man. So until Christ came to die, God, as it were, was homeless on earth because he was trying to get himself a home called the church, called the house of God. <laughs> anyway, so... God created man in his image. He said, let them have dominion. In other words, God created us for his own purpose. So he, watch this. This is very important. When he said, let's make man in our likeness, our image and in our likeness, 
In other words, let's create man so that the image, image reflects. Likeness expresses. So he created us to express God in dominion. Ho, ho. And then just remember I said, and let them have dominion. Yeah. So we are supposed to express God. The way God is almighty, the way God is powerful on earth, he must have a, 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 a counterpart or a rep representative on earth through, watch this, not who are doing their own thing. No, 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 no. But who he's doing his own thing through. So he created us so he can work through us. He can be in us. That is important to understand. It makes, it makes sense. If you understand this, it's the fundamental understanding of Christianity. That God desired to put himself in man. That's the first reason why he created man. And before he could put himself in man, for man to express him and reflect him, image will reflect and dominion or, or likeness will express. Before God finished that, then he told man, I am going to package myself like a tree because I, I created you and made you to eat so that you can eat because I want to check into you. So you have to eat me so I can check in. But I, don't, I won't put myself in. I want you to have your own volition and free will so you can choose me, so eat me. So God packaged himself as a tree of life and put himself in the garden where he placed man. So man can have the choice. And Bible says that's why the first commandment God gave to man is not thou shalt not, it's thou shalt eat. That's the first commandment. Why? Because he wanted to be in man. So the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree in the garden, thou shalt freely eat. Because me too, I want to be in you and I've packaged myself like food or like tree. That's why Jesus remains the bread of life. So when you eat Jesus, you are not just eating food that goes away. You are eating food that gives life. So God created man and represented himself in the garden as the tree of life. And guess what? The tree of life is in the Genesis and it's in Revelation too. The tree of life is God. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Anyway, so he said, eat me. But before they could eat him, there was another tree. Watch this. There's another tree that is a killing tree. He didn't say the tree was a tree of evil. It was a tree of knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. It, you are knowing. Tree of knowledge. It was a killing tree. When, it's, when that tree gets into your system, it reduces killing poison in your system. Oh, I'm going somewhere. And so God, before the man could eat, take God into him, for God to have an expression in him, man was deceived by the serpent to Take the tree of knowledge, the fruit of the tree of knowledge into him, thereby letting the nature of the evil one enter into him and poison his system thoroughly. And God said, I'm still coming to deal with the poison. So he came and died on the cross, dealt with the poison, and then he became our life. Watch this. This is important. So why did God save us? God saved us for the purpose for creation. He saved us so that he can express himself. Watch this. This is important. He saved us so we can, watch this, not to give us money. Please, please, please. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's a pernicious abrasion of the truth of God to assume that gain is godliness. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Gain is not godliness. Please, please, don't reduce godliness to mere gain of material things. 
Are you supposing that is not necessary? I didn't say that, but I'm saying that it's much more to us redemption and salvation than just having things that will make life comfortable on earth. <laughs> no, no, no. Charles Pagin puts it this way. He said, the salvation of one soul, the salvation of a soul is more important than say, uh, feeding a whole nation. <laughs> feeding a whole nation and helping them not to starve. Saving one soul, saving one soul for God's purpose. So, it's important to understand, I'm saying quite some strong stuff, but because we got to know some stuff. And so why did God redeem us? He redeemed us. This is important. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the last statement said, we will escape the corruption that is in the world through desires. So as soon as we ate the fruits that the devil deceived us to eat, Guess what? A certain corrupted nature entered us, which produces ungodliness. We were meant to reflect God, but now we were not reflecting God. We were, ref we were rather anti-reflection of God. The last is there, the last of the flesh. So the flesh became fallen. Now, we have been saved. So why? He's, watch this. He saved us that even in our human living, we will then begin to manifest the original intention of creation in our human living. What is that? Manifesting, that means that being like God and expressing God. We are like God and our desires are God-like. Ah, ah. So we reflect God and we express God. The priests, he made us kings and priests. Kings rule, priests reflect. So we are supposed to have dominion for God. That is why we believers are not subject to anything at all that Satan throws at people. He can throw it at us, but we overcome. We over because we have something superior. He said, he that is in us, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. There is something in you when you become born again. It's not because you just going to church. No, there's something far. When you become born again, the re oh, the real life, the life of God, the Zoe, the actual life of God is watch this is imparted into you, is planted in you, is infused. Oh, is infused in the real life. And guess what? Then there's a conundrum because you still have the human nature with its lustful intent or lustful incline or inclination is still there. But guess what? God didn't kill our human nature. But guess what? He rather introduced another nature, the nature of God into us through Christ. Now, every believer has the choice to be able to live without succumbing to the, the flesh, the nature or the lust of the flesh. Is it there? Verse 4. Again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. The, 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 having escaped. Ah, do you see that? You have, and every believer have that, what it takes to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Yeah. But are we doing that? That's where this message comes in. How can we, because pastor, I'm really born again. But it looks like the corruption that is through lust is still getting to me. It's still raining. 
It says sin shall no longer reign in your bodies, since you are not under the law but under grace. Romans chapter 6 verse 14. Sin shall no longer... So, but Pastor, I, I, sin seems to be reigning. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. What should I do? That is why this message comes in handy. Peter, Peter's final message, a dying Peter's final message to the church. Satan is going to use human things, things to block you. And I'm going to give you the inoculation so that you will escape the corruption in the world. What are you escaping it for? You are escaping it so you can express God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all there. It's all there. Okay, let me give you, I, I think... If the Bible is yours, we are going to do another exercise. You are going to circle, put a circle around various statements in this text. What do I mean? So you will circle a whole statement and then circle another one. If you had different pens, it would have been nice. But I didn't prepare you for that. So now watch this. Verse 3. It says, one first statement there. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, number one statement. You can encircle that whole thing. As his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Circle that one. Second statement there. Through the knowledge of him that has called us into glory and virtue. Circle that one. Third statement, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Circle that one. All right. And then number five. That by this we might be partakers of the divine nature. Circle that one. And then finally six. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Six various statements that are all interdependent. Dependent or related to each other. Six strong statements. And to make it even stronger, you can add the um, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. That's where the, everything is starting from. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. That's a whole one. So let's, you let's leave number, verse 2 on the side. And let's, let's dig into verse 3 as I run out of time. <laughs> Digging our heels, sinking our teeth into verse 3 to sap the vitamins inside it. <laughs> it's deep in nutrition. <laughs> All right. The first thing I want you to notice in the verse 3 is according as his power. Someone say power. Power. This is very important. Something has given us, the power has, now that word given, All right, has given, the word translated given really is um, in part. Okay. So when we say that the power has given us, it's granted. It has granted us. The power has granted us. The power has, okay, thank you. The New American Standard Version says, seeing that his power has done what? Granted us. Granted means imparted into us, means uh, infused into us, means planted in us. Oh, I see. So when God wants to do something in you, guess what he did? He sent his power inside us. Once you get born again, his power, when the power enters you, it grants you. It plants something in you. All right. So the power of God. Bible talks about Ephesians chapter um, 1 verse 19. said that you know the exceeding greatness of his power. This power is what raised Jesus Christ 
towards us believers, according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Where? In the heavenly places, far above principalities. There's something on earth, that one of the, the powerful stuff you have on earth is uh, the fire power and electrical power, engine power. Uh, engine power can make a rocket go very far. And the engine power operates with electrical charges and electrical power. So really, the natural power, the electrical power is the strongest. Uh, electric, electric power. Okay. It's, but do you know how far it can take man? It takes man as far as the moon. And that's, that's it. But the power of God took Jesus further than the moon. <laughs> he took him above all the heavens, seated him in the heavenly places. Above, far above, it's far above, not just above, far above principalities and powers, and gave him to be the head of the church. So uh, the power we are talking about is a very unique power. It's not just the power to create, the power of creation, when God said, let there be, all right? All the, uh, the heavens and the earth were created by the power of God. But this is not that, that power. It's, this power we are talking about is that power that when Jesus was even dead, it was able to give him life and raise him up. Okay, it's, it's a power of life. So it's a that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It's a power of life. So the, the, this power of life is what God, when you become born again, we were dead in our transgressions, has he made alive. As soon as you become born again, God plants this power. For as many as believe in him, to them he gave power. John 1, 12, to become the sons of God. So as soon as you believe in him, as soon as he calls you, and you respond to the call, and you give your life to Jesus Christ, guess what you receive? Power. In, in fact, the, and the power is the Holy Spirit, because watch this, the Holy Spirit generates something in you. It's gen, it generates the life of God in you. Now watch this, in John chapter 3, verse 6, in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it's easy to remember, 3, 6, 3, 6. So John chapter 3 said, that which is born of the flesh, that which is born of, the Spirit inside you born something in you. I don't know if I'm making sense. It bones, it births something in you. And 2 Corinthians 3, 6 talks about how he has made us ministers of the new covenant, not according to uh, uh, the letter, but according to the spirit. Why? Because the letter kills. Knowledge, ordinary knowledge is killing. That's what, that's what destroyed our relationship with God in the garden. Ordinary knowledge. And what is inoculating them against is the knowledge which is based on uh, the logic of human philosophy oh this is right this sounds good this sounds great this oh yeah oh yeah so he had to inoculate them because that logic of human philosophy is what plunges the church into apostasy last week i explained what apostasy is it's, it's, it's away from god you have rejected god you have shunned god you have shunned your relationship with god and now you have embraced something else something else in the place of god apostasy now, what generates apostasy in the church is wrong, wrong teachings. What generates apostasy in the church is wrong knowledge. And especially when human philosophies, human, the logic of human, complex human philosophy begins to have residence and begin to uh, reign in the church, in the church of God. So then the preaching of the preachers have become philosophical, just that. Just that, just that it says the spirit gives life, but the letter killeth. So sometimes you can be teaching theology, but you are, you are giving, dishing out killing elements. Wow. Killing elements. 
In fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, there are certain types of babblings, speakings, or teachings that generate increase more ungodliness. Now watch this. This can be in the church. The church is supposed to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. It talks about the teachings that accord with godliness or the teachings, the doctrines which accord with godliness. It produces godliness. In Titus chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledgement of the truth which accord with godliness. There are some truths that accord with godliness. In the same way, there are certain teachings and information and philosophies that produces ungodliness. It increases ungodliness. In Titus chapter 2, verse 12, it talks about how it gives us, verse 11 says, the grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men, uh, and then teaching us, verse, verse 12, teaching us that denying what? Ungodliness. Why did God save us? So we can be godly. So we can express God. Brothers and sisters, permit me to interject this. There's a difference between godliness and moral expression or, or ethical behavior. No, there's a difference. We are not talking about ethical behavior. Human beings, at best, we have good ethics. At best, we have great morals. But it doesn't mean we have godliness. Godliness is the expression of God. Godliness is God-likeness. Godliness is when God is being expressed. And so we are not called. Our calling doesn't just make us moral. Our calling doesn't just make us people of good ethics. Please, worldly philosophy pushes for good ethics, pushes for great morals. Is it bad? No. I mean, it's natural. Common sense tells you that it's good to be good. Common sense. Even children can tell this is bad, this is not fair, this is not right. This, it's just common sense. But please don't replace common sense and good ethics and good morals. Don't replace, don't confuse it with godliness. Don't confuse. Godliness is when God has gained full expression in whatever circumstance we are dealing with. Godliness. Godliness. <laughs> godliness. So, as I quoted, it talks about there are certain teachings that increase more unto ungodliness. Now, in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, it said, teaching us that escaping, uh, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Did you see that? And worldly lust. Is it not what I was talking about that we are able to escape worldly lust? Yes. The, the grace teaches us this. We should live soberly and righteously. And God, did you see that? Godly. Second, uh, first Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It talks about how godly living is important. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Godliness for kings, that we should all live peaceable. Uh, we should all live uh, 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 quiet and peaceable. In what? In all godliness. We are supposed to live that in all godliness. In all godliness. In all godliness and honesty. Verse 10 of the same chapter. Talks about how... Um, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Professing godliness. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Great is the mystery of godliness. Please, I, have to, I want us to understand that godliness underpins so much in scripture. In First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, verse 8. Exercise yourself unto godliness. For godly, oh, godly exercise profits, but godliness is... Pro you see, there is something. Godliness is God's expression. Is, I'm not, we are not talking about good being just good and nice. Niceness, please. Is it bad? No, I, please don't get 
wrong. I'm not saying that is bad. It works. That's good everywhere. But it's not just, it's just that is not godliness in itself. So then what is godliness? I said godliness is God being expressed. God gaining an expression. That is why he created us. And that's why he has saved us. So we can reflect him. We can be God's expression. We are not God's. We are not God's. But we are expression of God. We have the divine nature. We are going there. We have the divine nature. So throughout scripture, you keep seeing it. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he said, all those who will live godly lives shall suffer persecution. Chapter 3, verse 5, it talks about how people will have a, a form of godliness but deny its power. You can see it through the scriptures, it's all replete in it. Time will not permit me to keep going in and going in and showing you so, so much. But godliness... The teachings that are called with godliness. In fact, the titles are quoted chapter 2, verse 12. It says that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we will live, we will live righteously and what godly in this present age, not later. In this present, listen to me, please. Just watch me. There are people, human beings on this earth, who in this present age, in spite of all that is going on globally, in spite of the junk on our in our medias and in on our eyes and our faces, in spite of all that, there are people who can escape the corruption of the, the last of the flesh and live godly lives and i'm talking about you not your brother not their pastor yeah. you if you are a believer why because according as his divine mm -mm, according as his divine power divine power means that eternal power is power that is from somewhere his divine power has given unto us has granted unto us has planted into us has imparted into us has imputed into us has infused into us all the things that uh, what does it view all things <laughs> that pertain unto life and godliness so you see see when it comes to just living the life of god and this godly life we are not we are not deficient we are not you, you can do it boy you can do it girl because it's not by yourself but by the power that has been infused in you that has been granted to you that has been implanted the power that is inside you actually grants you from inside it grants you so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil the, the trickery and the deceptions of hell let me i think i have to run up but look at this according as his divine power has given unto us all things not only some things everything that relates to this godly life he has given unto us by the power according as his divine power has given unto us all things that relate that pertain unto life what life here is talking about the zoe of god the real life that we have by virtue of our redemption he, the life the zoe of god is inside we are able to manifest that life and everything that pertains to the manifestation of that life has been given to us by his power and godliness we are able to express god now negative knowledge Killing knowledge, just information, what it does is it blocks or diverts us. It distracts us from the, from the actual true knowledge of God. Now watch this. Look at the text again. I want to show you something. How does this power give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? How? Through the knowledge. Ah! Now this knowledge, I mentioned it in the pre The same word is in verse 2. Grace and, and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. Now it has appeared, the Greek word, the knowledge, the word knowledge, I said in the, uh, epignosis, epignosis is not just um, intellectual knowledge, but it is 
an experiential knowledge, a thorough knowledge, a comprehensive knowledge by virtue of practice and experience. Yeah, it's an experiential knowledge. In John chapter 17 verse 3, he said that, that they may know you. They may know you. Jesus in his prayer, high priestly prayer, and the life, uh, and this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God. What? He said that they might know you. This is the true life, the eternal, this is the eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they might know, they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This true knowledge, that knowing the true God and Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. So the life that we are able to express for God is predicated on the epic gnosko, the thorough knowledge, the full knowledge, some translation use, the full knowledge. It's not knowledge that you are just told. It's something that, it, so uh, amplifies that. For his divine power has bestowed, you see that another word is bestowed, granted, imputed, bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to the life, uh, to life and godliness. Through the full personal, it's not what your pastor is saying. Your pastor is saying, so when you put it into practice, you begin to experience that. And you have to grow in this knowledge. You have to grow. Listen, you are not growing spiritually if then what you know about God six months ago hasn't changed, hasn't increased. If you don't know more about God and what you know about God six months ago is the same, you have not grown. You are not growing. You are slowing. This life that what is giving us pertaining to life and godliness, it comes through the epignosco, the full knowledge, the experiential knowledge of what? Not, not of what the, it was uh, so, uh, current affairs. I'm not talking about current affairs. I'm not talking about theology. You can know theology and not know God. Mm. Through the full knowledge of him, him who has called us. That's called us. Hallelujah. He who called us. He called us. Yes. He, that you will know the one who called us. Appointed us. Elected us. That, you see, people see Christians thinking that we are just having church. No. We know him who has called us. And listen, if you are not growing the knowledge, it's a concern. It's a concern, boy. Bro. Bro. It's a concern if we are not growing in our knowledge of him, of him, through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. He didn't just call us. That means that the destination of our calling is glory and virtue, power. We have been called to something glorious. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, the word is sweet. Mm. Through knowledge, we are called out to glory and virtue. And then the next statement, on the basis of this, whereby, that, that, that's where I will end, I'll pick it there, whereby are given unto us, where, on the basis of this, therefore, whereby are given unto us great and exceeding precious promise, wherefore, so that by these promises we might be partakers of, ah, ah. So you see that the power works based on our knowledge of him who has called us into glory and virtue 
for the purpose for that purpose he has given us great and precious promises that by these promises we will be partakers of the divine nature we are not gods but we are partakers of so then when you are born again you don't only have a human nature you get us guess what you also have the divine nature and it's the divine nature that supplies the power uh, that gives you the power and the power gives you grants you the all that pertains to life and godliness so you can escape escape from the corruption and then begin to express god godliness godly life and godliness the divine nature uh, has given unto us all the things that pertain to life and god there is power how does this power come in conclusion god has called us for a purpose and we can't leave that purpose without the power so once he calls us he gives us the power but the power works only through what through the knowledge i'm talking about the power of the knowledge of god when you know him the power of the true knowledge of god the power of epigenosco the power of epigenosco when you know him it then that power begins to grant you begin to bestow on you begin to supply in you begin to infuse into you begin to plant into you begins to give you all things that pertain <laughs> unto life and godliness is a lot have unpacked this morning is a lot I told you but i've enjoyed it i pray that it's been a blessing i will continue in our next session from the same place i pick it up i left it i pray that you have received some thank you for listening to this message by david entry when god speaks works show and the works will surely show in your life to hear more from david entry follow him on facebook instagram twitter linkedin and subscribe to caris church on youtube don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date be blessed